Bibles. I shouldn't say if you have your Bibles. I would just say turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to try to do better with that. It's a hard habit. Uh, once you get into saying that, if you have your Bibles, turn to, but I want to just start saying turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to spend some time tonight <clears throat> with the gifts of the Spirit. And um, again, I apologize for, uh, I had some notes, they're, they're workable for me, but they're probably not workable for you. And uh, the reason they're not workable for you is because I've had a little two-year-old that I've had to ride herd on because my uh, mother has been, and dad has been out of commission with a, uh, my mother had to have a pacemaker put in. She is doing much better. And, uh, but me and little Emmy <coughs> have had, uh, I think it's our second week together. And uh, we went and got some donuts this morning. And I pulled up in Krispy Kreme and the drive through and she knew what the place was, so she started telling me it was donuts. And so obviously her mom and dad has taken her there before for her to know that that's where you get donuts at. And uh, <coughs> so uh, if you can kind of limp along with me uh, here, and we will, I'll try to have those back. I'll ha I certainly will have them for you. I may send them all to you, email them to you all at one chunk. Uh, but anyways, let's do spend some time uh, with the gifts of the Spirit. Why don't we start uh, in Second First Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to start <clears throat> in verse uh, 6. Uh, we'll start in verse 4, First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says there, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And that is right there one of the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 7, to profit with all, or you could say for encouragement, for edification, for the building up of uh, the church. And then he starts in verse 8 and he starts talking about these supernatural gifts. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of a word of wisdom, uh, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, I pointed this out last Wednesday night, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles to another prophecy and to another discerning of spirits. Do you see anything about that word spirits that is that catches your attention? And that should in the fact that it's lowercase. And so whenever it's talking about discerning of spirits, that again is being able to, uh, to discern and to tell about what's taking place. And I think 1 John chapter, why don't we turn to 1 John chapter 4 and uh, verse 1. Uh, this was a cautionary part that John, uh, who at that time was an elderly man, he had served as pastor uh, there in Ephesus. And you know about Ephesus from Acts 19. It was a very... Um, uh, it was a lot of spiritual warfare that was involved in that, but here's what he writes to the church there at Ephesus, First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And uh, again, you see there are spirits lowercase, and that means that those spirits are in people. Uh, I will tell you this, and we'll get into more of this whenever we start looking at some of the practical deals uh, about the operation of the gifts, and that's this, is that observation sometimes is 90% of revelation. And you say, what do you mean by that? Facial expressions, body language, things like that. You know, I'm not talking about reading people. I'm talking about when you're in a ministry situation that you can... Uh, facial expressions, body language can tell you a whole lot 
about what's going on in that person's spirit, in that person's life. Uh, also, what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. So those words that come out of that person's mouth, uh, you can tell a lot about the condition of their heart. And I would just even say that just in casual conversation that you have uh, with other believers. If they're, the majority of their talk and their time uh, is spent on worldly matters, they're probably a carnal and worldly Christian. And yet if you talk to them and there are things that are coming out of them uh, that you poke them and they almost bleed Bible, uh, that's a good thing because they have experienced things that's in the word of the Lord and so whenever you talk to them, these things kind of overflow and spill out of their spirit. Those are the kinds of people that I feel like that I personally, I, I, I want to be around uh, those kind of people. Then back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, look at verse 10, to another divers kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also uh, is Christ. And so again, we look at these are the supernatural gifts of the spirit. There are other places where that the gifts of the Spirit are listed and that they are located. We find that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. You also find it in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Those are areas where that whenever you begin to look at the way that there are things that operate in uh, a church, you can kind of pinpoint and see these are areas where uh, that the Spirit works. So when you look at what Paul wrote uh, to the church at Corinth, uh, these again, supernatural gifts where that uh, there's a lot of things that are taking place. Now, uh, I can point out to you uh, that they, they fall into groups, kind of three categories. You've got the revelation gifts. That means that they are given to you for insight. They're revelatory. They help you to see various situations. They help you to know what to do. They help you to discern. So, word of wisdom, verse 8. Word of knowledge, verse 8. Discerning of spirits in verse 10. Those are the revelation gifts. We also have another group. It's a group of three. And they fall into what I'm going to call the power gifts, and these are the ones that a lot of people are after. They, they want these gifts. Uh, that is primarily for ministry and evangelism, and it's the gift of faith, verse 9, gifts of healing in verse 9, and working of miracles in verse 10. So you've got the revelation gifts, you've got the power gifts, and then lastly, you've got the inspiration gifts. Those deal uh, with the matter of communication. Gift of prophecy is in verse 10. Uh, gift of tongues is in verse 10. And the gift of interpretation of tongues is also in verse 10 as well. Now, when you look at especially all of these gifts, there may be some overlapping in what takes place with the gifts of the Spirit. The best way perhaps to describe it and I know that this is a bad analogy because this symbol has been taken and it's kind of been hijacked in the last little while, uh, but the rainbow. And we kind of understand what that for our world, but just forget about that and just think about the last time that you saw a rainbow. A lot of times, uh, especially when we were still over in the uh, old building, uh, my upstairs uh, area, I would look out that window out there and over the farm center there would be the, the rainbow. And I can't tell you how many times that I would see rainbows kind of out in that east part uh, of Dothan. And when you look at a rainbow, there's obviously the colors of that rainbow that are there, but you can't say, I'm going to look and, and they're distinctly the eight colors. 
There's kind of a blending and a blurring that goes with that rainbow. That's the way that the gifts of the Spirit operate. You can't just say, well, one of them falls into this category, another falls into that category. Okay, let's talk about the matter of healing, uh, gifts of healing. At the same time, you've got the working of miracles. So there is somewhat of a blend. Is this a miracle or is this a healing? Well, it could fall into both categories. And there are times where that the gifts of the Spirit do operate uh, in that matter. So there is a merging sometimes when you start looking uh, particularly at the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I want to point out uh, something else to you just kind of in this introduction. Look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want you to look at verse 28. Verses 28 through 31 here is what Paul writes. And, and God has set some... In the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? This is a rhetorical question he's asking. There's an obvious answer to it, and that answer is no. Are, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? That's obviously no. Okay, everybody does not fall into that particular category and where people get into trouble is whenever they start trying to fit into a category that they don't fit into. That's, and I used this analogy last week. The singers want to preach and the preachers want to sing. And so what needs to happen is the singers need to sing and the preachers need to preach. And so certainly this preacher don't need to be singing. Um, so anyways, but, but again, that, that's the part. But what does Paul say? Look at verse 31. He said, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Then look over to chapter 14 and look at verse 1. Desire spiritual gifts. And then look down to verse 12. It says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. And so whenever I start looking at this, and then one more is in verse 39, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about pursuing and going after these particular matters and saying that I believe that all of us ought to have spiritual ambition. I don't think we, we get saved to sit. I believe that the Lord fills us with his spirit and then he wants us to fill areas, categories, and work things in a way so that we are an encouragement or an edification to the church. And uh, I'll just tell you, I prayed, I've been praying this some this week. I prayed it right over there. Our district conference is this weekend. And I just prayed, Lord, I'm going up there. I want you to help me to be able, if there's something that some preacher, uh, some minister needs to hear, I want you to impress on me something to say to that person that's going to be beneficial and advantageous to them. And, and again, I'm not saying the gifts of the Spirit in operation, but what I am saying is I want to be a blessing to those particular people that may be there. I do that even here for this local church, that whenever I come in, that I want to be an encouragement and a blessing to this church. That's not to mean that, that you mealy mouth around and that you don't speak the truth and so forth. But I would encourage all of you here uh, tonight in this sanctuary, when you walk in this church, there ought to be a desire for you to be an encouragement and to be able to touch and to help other people that may be in various situations of life that they need the ministry of uh, that spirit. Let me touch on one thing. I did go through all of these last Wednesday night, but I want to just kind of briefly again uh, touch 
on, on this matter, and this was whenever we were talking about the qualifications for the gift of the Spirit, for the gifts of the Spirit. I, I believe this, a believer that will be able to, who is qualified to operate in the gifts? A believer, a saint, that will be able to see the importance of an ongoing pursuit of the Spirit. It has to be an unending lifetime quest. There's got to be something about it that there's constantly a desire to get better, to move into a particular area that the Lord has called you to get into. I believe that that's generally going to be accompanied by an interaction with the Word, with prayer, fasting, uh, fighting your own sin, uh, mortification, by being involved in evangelism, various things that you can do in a church. What are those things that are taking place? Those things are things we're pursuing after and we're going after. Some people have, they've had the Holy Ghost for 40 years and instead of having 40 years of experience, they've, got, they've had one year 40 times. Does that make sense? And they're not able to grow. There's no spiritual growth that really has taken place in their life uh, during that 40 years. I don't want to be in uh, that particular place. Now, again, we did mention 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit uh, and to help that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and look there in verse 5. Here is what Paul writes. Verse 5 uh, he says, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. And then he gives a reason. You see that? That the church may receive edifying. Look at verse 12. He says that last phrase there, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Look at verse 19. Uh, he said, Then, um, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my, uh, five words with my understanding that my voice, how I might teach others also. Okay? That's the part. What is the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit? He's talking about right here is a matter of teaching. Does that mean that we don't need to speak in tongues? Absolutely not. But when it becomes showy and when it becomes the part where that you feel like, and I know we fall into this trap. I used to think whenever I was a kid that the most spiritual people in the world were always the ones who was always speaking in tongues. We need to pray in the Spirit. I'm not de-emphasizing that, but I'm just telling you now that tongues is not the end all and Paul speaks to that matter where he's coming along that what, what's the purpose? That I might teach others through that operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 12. I think it's probably a familiar scripture to most of you. Again, Purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Um, where is Ephesians at? Yes, in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I need a new Bible. This one is, 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 is in its... So That's right, it's not a Canterbury. Uh, okay, so here's what Paul writes. First, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, one other place I want you to turn over to 1 Peter. Where is 1 Peter at? Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 10 and 11 tells us again uh, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. It says, Peter writes, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it 
as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Again, the purpose of the church or the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is so that we would minister, verse 10, the same one to another, how as good stewards of the manifold of manifold grace of God. Okay? So, now, let's jump off into this matter of the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom, again, is a supernatural gift. Word of wisdom does not happen to people because they have a high IQ, because they have academic training, or because they have some degree from a seminary or some they graduated from a Bible college. That's not uh, how that the, the word of wisdom is a supernatural gift. God has given all wisdom. Now, you have to realize that it's a good thing that God does not give us all of the wisdom all at one shot because as human beings, we could not handle or understand that. Okay? But the wisdom that we're speaking about is what comes uh, from the Lord. It, it's from, it comes in a way that you would not have normally gained it a lot of times it's spontaneous, it's instantaneous, and you're given a word where or a, 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 a you want to call it a vision, uh, various ways. And I've made reference before. I may make some reference, just personal anecdotes. Our brother Patterson's experiences over the years. Some of you have had these experiences that that the Lord can bring a word of wisdom to us in various ways. I believe that God can use visions. I believe God can use dreams. I really believe that God can use his word whenever he begins to speak to us to help us to grasp and to understand uh, what is taking place. And so there's some New Testament examples where uh, that this was worked out. Now I'm going to go through, through some of these um, that happened in the ministry of the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And whenever you look at this account, again, it's a familiar story. Luke chapter 5, I would like to begin in verse 4. Luke chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible says it like this. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering unto him said, Answering said unto him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so when they began, so that they began to speak. When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not from henceforth, Thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Okay, so let's think about this moment. Obviously, the Lord, First uh, Timothy 3.16, he is God manifest in the flesh. Okay, Isaiah uh, chapter 7, verse 14 Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay? Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that he was the express image so that whenever, how, how do, no man has seen God, God's a spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24, but yet Jesus Christ, when you see Jesus, you have seen John 14, you've seen the Father. So we're looking at we're looking at God, okay? They're looking at God. 
and, and yet he's a human being. He's a man. And here are these fishermen, and they're looking at a carpenter. And this carpenter is telling these fishermen how they can catch fish. Now get that. And it's always interesting to me, and I tried not, tried not to do this last week when my mother was in the hospital, is, is to go in there and try to tell those folks how to take care of my mother. But after working in the hospital for a lot of years, you just have this deal. It's like, come on, y'all. Let's, let's pay attention to what's going on here and let's do what we're supposed to do. But I didn't do that. I kept my mouth shut and they just thought that I was just a regular old guy off the street. Okay, but what did Peter do? Notice verse 5. This is where spiritual authority comes in. Simon answering unto him, he said, Master, we've toiled all night, all the night, and we have taken nothing. I'm not going to throw my nets on the other side. I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter, and you're telling me how to do my job? Did Peter do that? No, he didn't. Here's what he says. He says, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That right there is submission. That, that right there is a part where that if you want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life, there's going to have to be a part where you're submitted to God and I believe to a degree there will be a part where you're submitted to spiritual leaders. It's important for us to keep those uh, matters in mind. And, and so it is that he comes along, he's trained Jesus, this carpenter tells these fishermen where to drop. Uh, Peter, here's where you drop your nets for a catch of fish. Jesus gave Peter a word that was divinely directed for a specific time to accomplish a specific event. It wouldn't have worked yesterday, it wouldn't have worked tomorrow, but for that instant right there at that moment, it was what God had in mind and what God had intended. And so Peter followed the direction of the Lord, and because of that, he had to ask James and John to come over and to help him or else his boat was going to sink. And Peter was so affected by what happened that it brought him under tremendous spiritual conviction. How do we know that? Look at verse 8. Here's what, here's what, the word, here's what, here's what Luke writes. He fell down at the knees of the Lord and he said, Depart from me for I am a sinful man. I will tell you this. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost. I don't care how many times the Lord uses you. If you ever get to the place where it's common, ordinary, that the Lord is just using you, you're in trouble. You will get to the place where that the enemy will capitalize on pride and will take you down and he'll take me down. And so whenever this, the events take place and you look at it, there's something very humbling about that where that the Lord, you, you look, you're like, Lord, there, there is no success without you. We, we had worked ourselves silly all night long and we had empty nets, tired bodies, worn out muscles, and we were ready to call it a day. And you spoke to us and something supernatural happened. I remember, and Brother Larry Booker uh, told this story here. It's been recently. I was was with him and and uh, Brother Weeks and uh, Brother Booker talked about in one Sunday, uh, their church doubled. It went from eighty people to a hundred and sixty people in one Sunday. And I think to myself, you look around here Sunday night whenever we were taking communion, okay, this place was quite full. And I thought, oh my Lord, you, you doubled this place and all of a sudden you're launched back into another building program or two or three or four services on Sunday. Um, and yet 
we have to believe we are at the end and God can speak to us specific words for specific times. And if the Lord can fill up nets, then the Lord can fill up churches. Okay, now, if you're just praying, Lord, fill this church up and you're not inviting people and you're not reaching out, then you're, you're missing it. Okay, so I'll, I'll move on. So, let's look at that. And this is the last point. Conviction is the result of a true supernatural word of wisdom. And there are times where that people bring to you supernatural words of wisdom and whenever they say these things to you, it ought to bring a deep-seated sense of conviction. And I'll just tell you, whenever I was working on this lesson, I tried, I thought, you know, these anecdotes, and so even some of the books that I'm reading, these authors are giving personal anecdotes uh, about things that happened to them in uh, their lives. And I, 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 I don't know when this, I know when this happened. It happened sometime between 1993 and the year 2000. And that was a time where that I was our district Sunday school secretary and Brother Twyman was our district uh, Sunday school secretary. I can remember uh, there was a night there at our camp, our junior camp, and uh, we had cleared everything out, had had a, just a very good prayer time, all the time with all the junior campers. And uh, we were kind of getting things stirred out, turning the lights out, trying to get the uh, little savages in their places. And uh, I shouldn't have called them that, should I have, Gavin? And, uh, but anyways, we were trying to get them all stirred up, moving in the right direction. And Brother Twyman, I was on the platform at the old uh, campground, and Brother Twyman just walked over to me. He said, Brother Harrelson, he said, I have a word from the Lord for you. And I'm, I'm caught, I'm like, you don't, you're, you're caught off guard. It's a surprise. And Brother Twyman started talking and saying some things to me and they were specific, and they were, and I look back now, and I know the Lord was using Brother Twyman and giving him a word of wisdom for me personally for my future. And at the time, I didn't know it. I, did, I had no idea. Now, I, I never, I, I, did, I was not one of those guys that uh, when I was in that position, I, I was in dorms with the kids. They, they had places where they had for the... But I'd always give up my room for whatever, for the camp advance because Teresa was not there. And I thought, you know, I'm just, I'll just let them take my room and I'll pile up up here with, with you know, some of these counselors and, and kids and all that sort of stuff. And so I was not in that little room where they had designated for me, which was good. Uh, but anyways, after that night was over, we got every, all the kids sorted out. And I remember going out and just walking around at the front on the old Pike Road campground and walking around and just in my mind just mulling over some of the things that Brother Twyman had said to me. And I'm just telling you now, 23 years, 25 years later, some of those, and sad because I, I would have called Brother Twyman uh, but he passed away uh, here about two years ago or so. Some of the things that he spoke to me directly at that moment, and it brought a conviction to my heart. And I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know that I am even, I don't know, I don't even want to say worthy. That's maybe, maybe we all feel unworthy. But you're like, Lord, how in the world can you do that in my life? And yet now, in retrospect, I look back and realize that the Lord had specifically said something uh, to Brother Twyman in that area. And I, I'm just going to camp out on that. Luke 5, 11, um, here's what happened. And when they had brought their ships to land, it says they forsook all and they followed him. And so that's the part. When a word of wisdom comes to you, it's in those times where that you start saying, okay, Lord, what you're calling me to do is going to require a cost on my part. That, that's how come you can't afford to get hung up with nonsense, like holding grudges and getting bitter and getting jealous and getting things locked in to your spirit because what does that do? That hinders the flow and the work of the spirit. And you're just like... But it hurts. 
I know it does. But I'm bleeding out. I know you are. I know this situation has a way that you feel like, Lord, this is not fair. I'm going to repeat what I said last Wednesday night, okay, Brother Wells. And he was on his deathbed, and Brother Zach, his son, he said, Dad, it ain't fair. He said, Boy, God ain't running a fair. Okay? So if you're looking for life to be fair, God, as Brother Wells said, God ain't running no fair. He's trying to save you. Life hurts. Challenging situations, you'll find themselves in that place. You can't afford to lock into those things and hinder the purpose of God because our life is like a vapor. That's what James says, and it passes. James 4. Your life is but a vapor, and it's gone. Okay? Another example of a word of wisdom deals with the preparation of the heart of an individual. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 21. And this is where that the Lord is coming in. This is right before Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 21, and beginning in verse 1. The Bible says there, When they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come unto Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him their own. Okay? Now, where does, what prophet is speaking of that? Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. That's where the verse reference is. Zechariah had told him this great king is going to come riding in and he's going to be on, he's going to be riding in on a donkey. That was one of the reasons that Israel was confused is because they were not looking for a guy riding in on a donkey. They were looking for a guy riding in on a white stallion. Somebody with strength and power. Okay? That's not going to happen at the first advent. It will happen at the second advent, and we are moving in that direction, y'all. Okay? France is now making alliances with China. Russia, Turkey, Iran are all moving around. Okay? America right now is very, very weak, and everything is being moved into place. Hamas, some of the Syrians, constant rocket launches toward Israel. We're moving in the direction of the last day, and the Lord will show up, and this time he will not be on a donkey. He will be on a white stallion. And the church will be with him. Okay? So what we've got to do is we've got to be faithful to the end. And so that's a whole different lesson. But again, it's very important for us not to miss what's going on, especially in relation to the Scriptures. This took place before Palm Sunday, prior to the crucifixion of the Lord. It's also important to understand that when the Lord told them to go find this man. Now imagine this. These disciples show up and they say, Hey, we want your donkey and we want the coat that that donkey has. Okay, that'd be about like somebody coming to my house and saying, hey, we want your car and we want your wife's car. So hold, hold on now, wait a minute. But that's not what the story tells us. Matthew writes in that the owner of this vehicle, he said, okay, that's good. Now how was Jesus able to operate like that. He was God, okay? But at the same time, here's what I'm getting at. 
he was pulling from Zechariah, and this is what I want to just tell you about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are going to be operating in your life. It's going to be because you have a proficiency with the Word. The only time you get the Word shouldn't be whenever we come in here and I'm teaching, Brother Patterson's teaching, preaching. There ought to be an interaction that you have with, with the Word. Brittany, I want your Bible for a minute. Okay. She didn't bring her ESV. Uh, Brittany's ESV is marked up, highlighted, underlined, and uh, she gets up early every morning and works through that. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm impressed, okay? And, and I, I want our church to be a word-driven church. And she's not the only one that's doing that. The only reason I know is because we did a Bible study last night and, uh, and, and John Paul's Bible is marked up. I want marked up Bibles. I want used Bibles. I want us proficient with our Bibles. Why? It's because when you get into a situation where the Lord needs to use you, I want you to be able to recall and retrieve things. And if you can memorize the, the lineup of the Atlanta Braves and no batting averages, you can memorize Scripture. It's just a matter of priority. Okay, It's a matter of where you want to spend your time and spend your life. A few other examples. Let's look to Acts chapter 6. Uh, word of wisdom is taking place here. There's a challenge that the church faces. This is besides persecution. This is probably the first big hiccup uh, that they face. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochurus, and, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. There was a word of wisdom that came forth. What was the word of wisdom? Take these, these seven men, verse 3, that are honest, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom. We're going to point them over this business. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the Word. Now, if you, you need to look this sermon up on, on YouTube. Brother Terry Schock preached a sermon. I don't remember the title of it now, so it would be hard for you to find. But is that because of the times uh, a number of years ago? And he talked about how many pastors are so exhausted because they're waiting on tables. Let me let that settle in on you, okay? And their, their primary calling is not, and it's not that, I'm just telling you now, I can run a mop, I know what it's like to scrub out toilets, I know what it's like to cut grass, I know what it's like to be at a church whenever a, 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 a faucet breaks, and you're in there vacuuming up water and you're trying. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to do a whole multitude of menial tasks. I'm not above that. But when the enemy can get us so distracted, chasing our tail, doing all that other stuff, then what he does is he drops the spiritual level of a church and our main calling, my calling, Brother Patterson's calling, is prayer and ministry of the Word. That's, that's, it's not because we're better and think, oh, we can't do this, that, or the other. Our church right now, we're trying to break and move up into a next level, and we're bumping our heads right now. Okay? 
And what happens is, and I got on it Sunday night and met a little resistance, okay? But if you've got your little territory and you're trying to hang on to your little area and grip and hold on to it and won't turn loose and let go and give other people opportunity for ministry, what you're doing is you're putting a lid on your own personal growth and you're putting a lid on what God's trying to do in this church. And we've got to break out of that. We're not in the student building anymore. We're in a larger place. We've got to do the will and the purpose of God. I don't want to get to the judgment and the Lord say, and I said this Sunday night while I was preaching before communion, I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord say, this is what I had in mind for you, Philip, but you didn't get there. I want to do, I want to, I want to land my boat. I want to forsake all. I want to follow the Lord. And we've got to have all hands on the deck because I'm just going to tell you something. You get this place full and these altars loaded with seekers and you're praying with people and they start receiving the Holy Ghost, I'm just going to tell you, it will do, it's unbelievable what it will do to you in your relationship and walk with God. Okay, so I'll press on. That's probably for Sunday night instead of Wednesday night. But the first priority of a church is spiritual matters, prayer, ministry of the Word. And yet if the Spirit had not intervened, the movement of the Spirit would have been stopped and the advancement of the church would have been stifled and stymied, okay? Now, I've been on the district board now since 2006. And again, it was not something that I really pursued after. This is free. If, and I tell people this in the licensing seminar, just do what they tell you to do. Just do it. Just do what they tell you. I've been spending my whole life doing what people have told me to do. I grew up. My mom and dad told me what to do. I get a job. I did what they told me to do. I get at the hospital. I do what they tell me to do. Brother Patterson tells me what to do. You know the only two things that I changed here at our church whenever we, whenever we move, everybody's like, oh yeah, when Brother Harrelson gets in, we're going to be changing all this stuff, okay? <laughs> the only thing I changed was baptizing people before service started. That was it. The only reason I did that is because y'all remember whenever we used to have long marathon services and you're waiting until the baptism at the end, okay? I thought, well, just baptize them straight out of the chute and then whenever we get to the end, I shouldn't say it like that, but, you know, let's baptize them and then we don't have to wait till the end. Let's put them and, and take them down and so forth. That just I've just done what Brother Patterson told me to do. I got on the district board. I just did what Brother Lewis told me to do. Whenever I was in the Sunday school department, I just did what Brother Lewis and what Brother Twyman told me to do. And those are things that has helped. So I got on the district board, and I'm just telling you now, uh, Brother Davidson, our district superintendent right now, a very spiritual man. And there have been times where that we faced challenges in the boardroom. And Brother Davidson will say, you know what I think we ought to do? Let's just pray and we're going to add. Now some stuff in there, okay, is as boring as a day is long, all right? Where, where are we going? Where are we going? Well, how much money are we going to spend on these mop buckets? How, how much? Where are we going to go? Okay, that's some of that stuff is just like, like come on, guys. <laughs> Let's hurry up and get this over with so we can go read books and work on sermons and good stuff, okay? But there's other times where you're dealing with challenging things. And, and, and Brother Davidson would say, men, me we, we just need to pray. And we would start praying in that room. And the next thing you know, it's like bang, bang, bang. We would know, do this, do this, do this, and the situation would work out well. I can't tell you how many times in the last, especially in the last three years, that I have walked into that boardroom and there have been men, our, some of our district board members, that have walked up to me and they said, Brother Harrelson, I, got, I have a word from the Lord for you. 
and then they would start speaking and there was no way in this world that they knew what was taking place and it was so specific and so right and it helped to turn the light on. That's the way a word of wisdom ought to operate and it ought to move. And yet, whenever we read about 1 Corinthians 12, he's not talking about district boardrooms. He's talking about a local church. He's talking about saints. He's talking about people who are ordinary, if you want to call it like that, ordinary, regular folks. They clock in, they clock out, they pay for their electricity, they buy cars, they buy houses, they go about their lives, and yet what is Paul saying? These things can be invested into our lives. There's words of wisdom that you can bring in uh, to people's lives. Let's look at another example. Let's look at Acts chapter 8, and let's look in verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. This is a fairly lengthy reading. I uh, may not read all of it. But let's look at verse 26, 8, 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet, and then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And so it tells the rest of the story. Uh, look down to verse uh, 36. And they went on their way. They came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Okay? Now, specific instructions that are given. Look at verse 26. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now let me set the context. Philip was neck deep in a mind-blowing revival in Samaria. Okay? I, I mean, there was all sorts of things that was taking place in Samaria. This angel appears to Philip and he says, uh, look, he said, I want you to go to the desert. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about submission. Philip don't argue, he don't try to reason, he don't try to, but there's no congregation down there. It's the desert. There's nobody that's there. None of that that Philip says. What does Philip do? He does what this angel directs him to do. Then he gets to that place and bang, lo and behold, all of a sudden, there it is, is this guy He's reading a scroll, and the Spirit says, hey, go talk to him. And he asked him a question. You, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He said, man. He said, how in the world can I know unless somebody explains it to me? And then the Bible says that Philip got up in the chariot, and he started moving. And then he was baptized, and much took place with that. Okay? Um, here's where... Again, word of wisdom comes in, spiritual direction. You go to this place. And when you get to this place, then you're going to get things taking place. Okay? So let's talk about Brother Patterson a minute. 
1996, uh, we had a little bit of a challenge here, and uh, we were we were it was a it was a difficult time, difficult situation. I was ready to leave. I really was. I my graduated from TBC in '92. My intentions was to come home. We we're gonna have some kids, and then we were gonna move on and go go start a church elsewhere. Teresa and I drove all over creation in the state. I don't know what I was looking for. I guess I was looking for GP in the sky. Go preach. We went to Tuscaloosa, went to Northport, Phoenix City, Eufaula, uh, not Eufaula, um, the place that flooded. Anyways, uh, we went to all these places, and we couldn't get a feel for it. So I want to go to Because of the Times in January, and I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm re- you need to get me out of here. I'm ready to go. And, and there was a sermon that was preached. It was directly, they could have let all 2,500 of them leave and kept me in there because it was just for me. <laughs> At least I thought it was. And Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to be in Dothan four more years. I was not happy. Oh, no, I was not happy. I was 30, ambitious, young, ready to whip the world. I'm ready to get out of Dothan. It's my home church. Get me out of here. And so I leaned over to Brother Rochelle. I said, the Lord just spoke to me. said, I'm going to be in Dothan four more years. I said, if any time in the next four years I try to leave, I said, you need to tell me I can't leave Dothan. And he was sitting next to me. Brother Patterson was a few rows over. So then I get up and I go tell Brother Patterson, the Lord just spoke to me. I'm going to be in Dothan for at least four more years. He prayed for me. And so we got rolling, okay? Move on in the year. And we had chaos break loose. And it was at that moment that I felt loyal to Brother Patterson. And I'm here to be a support, to be a help. During that period of time, the Lord speaks to Brother Patterson in the middle of all this chaos and tells him, uh, you need to call about the property down there on 231 South. And so Brother Patterson's like, what do you mean call about the property? And so anyway, so he calls, and it's the property on 231 South, which I thought we were going to build a church down there. In fact, I told people, man, we're going to build a six flags over Jesus down there on, on that 10 acres, Okay. That's what we're going to do. I didn't say it quite like that, but that's what I had in my mind, okay? And so Brother Patterson calls this realtor. The Lord had prompted him to do that, and the person said, well, he said, here's the deal. He said, if you'd have called me two days earlier or three days earlier, he said, I could have put you on it because the person that owns that property was still alive. We're trying to get it, and now we're not sure what's going to take place with it. Ended up, we got that property. Now, I'm not clear yet as to what that purpose for that property is, but we still got 10 acres down on 231 South. We're going through all of this chaos during this period of time, and the Lord speaks to Brother Patterson. We come in on Wednesday night. We have a quick, impromptu business meeting, and Brother Patterson says, I feel like the Lord is, or I know the Lord has told me this. Church unanimously approved it, and so we get the property. It's during times sometimes of great success or great chaos that the Lord will speak to us His purpose. What does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to shut down our human reasoning. He wants you to keep your mouth shut. He wants you to pray. Stop your murmuring and complaining, okay, which I'll be, I'm telling you now, I am a chief sinner. Now, I don't murmur and complain to y'all, but my poor wife, boy, she can murmur, murmur, complain, grumble, whine. I just got a, I got a devotional in the mail yesterday and I open it up and it's like, oh my Lord, why? I don't want to read this devotional because the title of the devotional is called Sins We Tolerate. I start flipping through it, and it's talking about irritability, impatience, murmuring, grumbling. I felt pretty good when I left here Sunday night, and then I get that devotional, I think, oh my, what a horrible person I am. 
That's the way holiness works. Okay? So here's the deal. When the Lord is speaking to you and moving you in the direction that he wants you to do, zip it. Shut your mouth. I know that's not, I know that's not pastoral. I get it, okay? But if I was at Alexandria tonight teaching this same lesson, I'd tell that bunch there the same thing I'm telling you, okay? If I was preaching at General Conference, I'd tell them the same thing I'm telling you because there's times that the Lord does not need us trying to tell him how to do his work, okay? I'm his servant. He, he's not my servant. God doesn't move at every beck and whim that I want him to go. And so what does Philip do? He leaves Samaria. Great success. Thousands getting the Holy Ghost. Miracles. Unclean spirits being cast out. And goes to the desert. And God uniquely works in that way. Now why do I think that he works that way? I think in 1 Corinthians 1 that the answer uh, to that, and I'll read this and we'll go home. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. All right. Let's start in, we'll start in 26. That kind of really homes us in, okay? Verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So, so that Philip could not Okay, I don't have my phone, it's over there, okay? But if I had my phone, I, we are a selfie generation. Put, put the phone, give me a I want a selfie. I figured out the other day what I need to do, okay? I've, I've seen a number of people with these little deals on the back of their phones. I have just figured out what those little deals are for. Is to help you take a selfie, because I tried to take a selfie, me and Emmy the other day, eating do this morning eating donuts. I tried to take a selfie, and I, it's hard to do it if you're holding that, if you don't have that little rig on the back. So I need to get a little rig on the back so I can do a selfie, okay? But here's the deal. God don't want us doing selfies. And Philip didn't get to Samaria and take a selfie, nor did he get to the desert and take another selfie and say, hey, cheese, look at me. I baptized this guy. Listen to me. Man, he's a high government official. And yet the majority of people today, if they would have baptized somebody with that kind of stature and status, it would have immediately hit Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and any of the rest of these squirrely little apps that have got people so consumed. And God is saying, hey, wait a minute. I, I'm trying my best to show you I take weak things. I take base things. I take common, ordinary things, and I use them to do exploits. But yet, hey, remember this, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I hope this has helped. It's 831. I'm a minute over. I hope this has helped. And uh, I, if I keep going, Brother, Brother Tessa and Brother Pierce, I'm going to hide to sleep in the backyard and not. That's right. My wife says I'll be sleeping in the backyard and not if I keep going. <laughs> Let's stand. Thank the Lord that y'all are, are still... <laughs> Wanting to hear more, I guess that's a sign of a. They say you, 
you want them coming back for for more. So y'all come back next Wednesday night. And we'll take another take another shot at it. Amen. Let's 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 thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Lord, I pray God tonight that Your Word would somehow God settle into every single one of our hearts. I, I know, Lord, that there are people. God, this church, Lord, is filled with people that wants to make a difference, God, in your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you help every single one of us. God, if your disciples, Lord, could land their boats and they could forsake all, help us, Lord, to have that same commitment because I do believe that there are people, Lord, here in this sanctuary tonight that they can be in that same category Lord, that Luke wrote in Acts where he said, these are the men that have turned their world upside down. Lord, help us to be submitted. Help us, God, to be somehow, Lord, hungry and aware of what you're trying to do in our lives. And help us, God, please, Lord, help me to quit murmuring, complaining, grumbling. Lord, don't let me always be looking and saying that the grass is greener on the other side. Lord, help us all to get into a place of contentment so that we're there, we're able to do your will where you called us to serve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Lord, bless you. Uh, Thank you for coming to church. Invite somebody Sunday. Pray for our district conference.